You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you're a 415 You're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 Hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? Welcome into another edition of the 415ers podcast, three times a week, Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Evan Giddings with Mark Grendy, as always. Merry Christmas, Mark. I see you're in the in the holiday mood. Tis the season. How we doing, man? I'm doing well, yeah. If you're uh, watching on YouTube, you see I got a Santa hat on right now. Recording this on Monday, day after Christmas, but still in the holiday spirit. Hope you had a good a good holiday time, Evan. I know I had a, a, a lot of fun as well and hope all of our listeners got to enjoy some time with their family and uh, gather around the living room watching some Niner football in their eighth straight win. We got a lot to talk about, uh, but it was a good weekend for 49er fans. Yeah, that no, was a great weekend for various sports fans for the most part. I mean, I'm, I'm rocking a Jordan Poole shirt. They won on <laughs> Christmas Day. Uh, the 49ers took care of business against the Washington Commanders on Saturday. Pretty good Christmas Eve gift for those of you out there. Uh, 37-20, the final score. As Mark mentioned, eight straight victories for the 49ers. They still remain in the third seed in the NFC because of those pesky Minnesota Vikings that Mark loves so 60-yard game-winning field goal. They just <laughs> they come through in the clutch. I don't know what yeah. it is about them. Well, Greg the leg, uh, the new one. <laughs> you know, Joseph was a carpenter and apparently a kicker. <laughs> But uh, but the 49ers did what they had to do, and and Mark, it was it was a game that you know was was relatively close in the first half. It was tied in the half, but um, it was the first time in I don't want to call it the Brock Purdy era, but since he's taken over, that we saw some sort of I guess um, resistance against the 49ers because it's the first time that I, I felt like there was a game in the balance, sort of midway through. Obviously, the second half. The Niners blew them out of the water. They really capitalized on every mistake that the commanders made, scoring 30 second half points. But Mark, were you at all surprised? This is kind of where I want to start because as as much as the 49ers have locked in, they've been dominant, especially over these past, you know, let's call it three and three quarters games with Brock Purdy. Um, Were you at all surprised that there was a Washington team on Saturday, at least in the first half, controlled the ball for 21 minutes as opposed to the 49ers nine? Well, that was always going to be the strategy for Washington. If they had any chance of winning this game, they were going to to shrink the game. They they needed long possessions and they needed maybe to get some lucky stops with a three and out. Maybe they gave up one first down, then get the ball back. They needed to possess the ball and it, it worked for them in the first half. But the issue is against a Niner team like this, who isn't really going to break off too many 70-yard plays. We did see a Ray Ray McLeod 71-yard touchdown run, uh, which is rare. And then we ultimately did see a couple of long George Kittle touchdowns, which we'll, which we'll certainly get to in a little bit. 
But generally, Evan, this is a Niner offense that isn't going to hit you with those back-breaking deep plays. They're going to be kind of a, a dink and dunk offense. They'll get you know a 15-yard chunk every so often, but they're going to be possession-based. Um, and as a result, it becomes hard if your strategy on the other side is just try to possess the ball. It's going to be difficult because that's the Niners' strength as well. I mean, we talked about it leading up to this episode. These are the top two teams in time of possession in the NFL. So the commanders did a great job at that in the first half. And I think to answer your question, yeah, I was a little surprised. But considering how how stark that difference was in the first half, you kind of look at that halftime box score and you think, all right, what might change in the second half? For me, it was those possession numbers. Um, and ultimately, the Niners did have some big plays as well that that maybe kept the possession battle on the commander's side just a little bit. But the Niners had the ball a lot in that second half. They scored a lot of points. They they fell short of the end zone a handful of times. I think some fans probably frustrated by all the Robbie Goldfield goals. But still, you scored 30 points in the second half, and, and really you came out with it. So I think despite the fact that I was a little surprised by those possession numbers by the commanders of the first half, I also kind of felt a, a strange level of calmness going into the second half because I felt that there's no way those numbers were going to stay the same. And if the Niners could even just get to even possession in the second half, they were going to be able to score more points and convert more often than Washington did. And, and that that is what happened in that second half. And, and the Niners run away with a, a three-score victory. No, that, that's a good point because, again, it, maybe it was a little more prolonged this time against Washington, but it's been that inevitable boat racing that's coming for the 49ers if they were even through half and then out of the half george kittle gets you know 34 yard touchdown catch and then where i think the game changed mark was it it was about five and a half but riverboat ron rivera decides to go for it on fourth and one or probably less than that deep in his own territory and doesn't get it now there was some i don't know controversy over whether the ball was spotted where it wasn't. Regardless, Washington did not get the first down. And then two plays later, diddle, diddle, kittle down the middle, and the ball game's over at that point. It does put into perspective for me a couple of things, and I also want to bookmark that that conversation about Robbie Gould and the amount of kicks that he had to take, because I think it is a little interesting. But this offense for the 49ers, like, how do you slow it down? How do you stop it? Because it doesn't appear that on the surface level, it's one that immediately is going to jump out to a 21-point lead, although potentially could. It's more so a matter of, like you said, there's an there's an air of calm surrounding this offense that it's not a matter of if they're going to score points consecutively or in bunches. It's just a matter of when. And if you're a team that does not have a prolific offense like Washington, and you're going to be playing from behind, this is a Niners team that if you do not, if you give up, let's say 30 points to, I think maybe there's two, three teams in football that could beat this team, and only one of them is in the NFC. That would be Philly in my eyes. Yeah, and they were in a battle this week, of course, without their starting quarterback, and and they gave the Cowboys all they could handle. The Cowboys still came out on top, but I'm with you. I mean, if this is a Niner offense that's, that's going to churn like this. And they could have easily had 40, 45. They could have pushed 50. I mean, if things yeah, went well you. for them in the end, in the red zone, 
we'll, we'll talk about those Robbie Gold field goals, I'm sure, in a little bit. But this this was a soft 37. I mean, or, or I guess a strong 37. They could have easily put up more than they did. Um, but, I mean, if you're an opponent going into a matchup against the 49ers, what you have to hope for is capitalizing on turnovers. One, you have to get turnovers. And two, you have to turn them into points. And considering that the Niners are still a, a run-first team and uh, Christian McCaffrey wasn't nearly as involved in this game, which we all expected considering the fact that the Niners have the three-seed at the very worst locked up, they're not going to risk injury to their superstars at this point of the season. Uh, the two-seed would be nice, but it's not worth putting it all on the line at this point of the year. They're going to, you know, lean away from Christian McCaffrey just a little bit. But still, even with that, they're still a run first team. We saw some Tyrion Davis Price get really his first run uh, of his career in this one against the Commanders. But even with all of that, no matter who's back there in the backfield, they're, they're even giving it to Ray Ray McLeod without Debo Samuel. He's taking some carries. The Niners are still a run first team, which means your opportunities to intercept a Brock Purdy pass are you know not as plentiful as, as if you're playing someone else now he did throw one interception it wasn't a perfect throw to Juwan Jennings a little bit behind him a little bit low Juwan Jennings though unfortunately while he's trying to catch it just pops it up into the air perfectly into a commander's chest that turns into an interception Washington goes the other way not a great throw but probably not a turnover worthy throw as well but still ultimately it ends in a turnover but if you're Washington, you need to then go down, convert, and score, turn it into points. And then when the Niners are, are using their run game, you're going to have to punch a ball out. You're going to have to get a fumble. You're going to have to knock one away from Christian McCaffrey. Maybe it's a rare Jordan Mason or Tyrion Davis price carry. you got to knock it free. You have to get lucky with a bobbled snap by Brock Purdy. That's how good this offense is. We talked about it a lot all season long, Evan. After the trade for Christian McCaffrey, it is the best skill group in football. Whether it was Garoppolo, whether it was Purdy, whoever it is at quarterback does not change the fact that it is the best skill group in football. And in order to stop them, to slow them down, you need a bit of luck. That's You need to knock a ball free. You need to benefit from a bobble by the quarterback, a bad snap by the center. You need those things to go your way. And in the second half for the commanders, they did not go their way. And that's why the Niners put up 30 second half points. No, and and it look, it takes me to the next part of the conversation about the offense, which in my mind, I like I mean, I, I told you a couple weeks ago I was starting to drink the Kool-Aid with Brock Purdy, and I might have had a couple more cups on Christmas Eve than I care to admit. <laughs> but the offense looks more explosive than it has ever been this season. And I don't think that's a coincidence. Whether it's because Kyle Shanahan has more confidence in Brock Purdy or not, whether it's because they have been able to create more advantageous positions, they've played from ahead virtually the entire time Brock Purdy has been quarterbacking this team. But Brock Purdy has as many 25-yard-plus touchdown throws this year as Patrick Mahomes. Now... <laughs> That's mind-boggling to me. He's played three and three-quarters games, and the amount of wide-open guys down the field, George Kittle being the biggest beneficiary this last weekend and the weekend before, who basically intercepted a touchdown pass from Ray Ray McLeod on his first one. Like, Brock Purdy, 
he yes, he has demonstrated he can make some tight window passes that he can extend plays, that he has enough awareness in the pocket to navigate successfully multiple reads. But when he delivers the football, these guys are running wide open for the 49ers to the point where they really are the yak bros. Like they are getting yards after catch in bunches. And to do it, like I didn't expect Washington to maybe keep up with the Niners offensively. That's not how they're built. And anytime you put the, a 30-point performance against the commanders, you're probably going to win. But the thing about it is I didn't expect the Niners to be able to move in the second half, slice through butter with a hot knife the way they did against this Washington team that, as we discussed, has been probably a top-five unit to this point this season and also got its arguably its best defensive player back this week in Chase Young. Brock Purdy and that offense had its largest output of the season. And it was, it was against Washington. I was, I was impressed. I was blown away. And like we said earlier, it could have easily been more. I mean, they should have been in the forties considering all the field goals that they took. Um, something that we probably should have mentioned on, you know, our preview episode last week when we we're getting ready for this Christmas Eve game was, you know, we talked a lot about Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne and, you know, uh, Chase, or, uh, Chase Young making his season debut and how good they are up front defensively and how good their pass rush is, specifically from the interior of the defensive line. We probably should have said something along the lines of, well, you know, how do you counter a great pass rush? It's get the ball out quick. And that's what this Niner offense is right now. And it's what Brock Purdy is doing well. That's what Jimmy Garoppolo did really well as well. A quick release, he's able to, you know, lock onto his first read, sees him open, fire. It's out before any defensive, you know, rusher can get to him unless there was a free rusher. The offensive line just needs to get a hand to get a body on each individual rusher and you'll be able to get a ball off, no problem. So the Niners did a great job getting their throws off quickly. They did have some longer developing plays. That first George Kittle touchdown was a long throw down the middle of the field. His second uh, was a big catch and run, as you mentioned, showing off the the yak for George Kittle on that one. But the Niners did a good job. You got to credit the offensive line as well. They protect, protected Brock Purdy relatively well. Um, but Shanahan, you know, drew up a scheme that worked against this defense, which was, hey, Brock, get the ball out early and we'll trust our weapons to be able to make some guys miss and, you know, gain some yards, move the chains and, and ultimately win the ball game. So, I think you got to credit the game plan for the for the 49ers led by Kyle Shanahan. Uh, they identified the strength of that defense up front. The weakness is the secondary. It's not a bad secondary by any means, but when you compare it to the front, it's not nearly as strong. You trust your elite playmakers on those one-on-one matchups. They'll make a guy miss. You'll you'll move the chains and, and get first downs. Uh, so I think a, a good game plan for the 49ers, but a game plan means nothing if you don't execute it well. And the offense certainly did. Purdy deserves credit for that, for leading that charge, you know, of execution. And then those skill guys deserve credit for winning those matchups and, and, you know, allowing, you know, the offense to look explosive, despite the fact that they ran a lot of quick developing plays and then the offensive line for doing their best to limit that elite pass rush of the commanders of, all parts of the offense, maybe except for some red zone offense, all parts of the offense deserve kudos. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the 415ers podcast coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game. You can follow us on social, 415ers, uh, personal tags, eGettings10 for myself, Mark Grandy, Mark with a C, Grandy with an I for Mark. If you want to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, all the rest, uh, download, rate, subscribe. We much appreciate it. Well, that, that takes us to the next part of the conversation. And I'm, I'm just going to kick my feet up for those watching on YouTube because that's kind of <laughs> what Kyle Shanahan seemed to be doing during the second half of the football game against Washington. And a lot of that was because of the score, the lead, and honestly, the, just the success, the, the sheer efficiency of his offense. But the one area that I keep coming back to that I was thinking about this weekend, Mark, was the red zone. Because 37 points is certainly nothing to scoff at. And it is a great sign that this offense for the 49ers has been explosive, downfield, chunk plays, um, quick striking, far different than when it was led by Jimmy Garoppolo or formerly Trey Lance, however unfairly that is. But they weren't great in the red zone. And honestly, looking back over the past few weeks, they haven't really been that great in the red zone. So I don't necessarily think they need to be, but the idea that the red zone issues for the 49ers are all of a sudden gone is a little bit of a myth at this point, just because Brock Purdy somehow, some way has been able to, you know, cloud over the fact with his deep touchdown passes that they haven't been able to execute as much inside the red zone, especially inside the 10. So when Robbie Gould takes three field goal opportunities off of three possessions, two of which due to turnovers, I do think that is, even though not in the arc of this game, a red flag, that is something that I'm paying attention to. And I think 49ers fans should pay attention to as well. The last couple of weeks against Las Vegas and Arizona, two teams that are, simply put, not very good, uh, they should be able to at least demonstrate some better efficiency in the red zone because they will absolutely need to do that in the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I mean, against a better team and, and those field goals, you know, might come back to bite you. I mean, it was towards the end of the third quarter. The Niners were up 21 to seven. Washington drove down the field. It was a Taylor Heineke to Terry McLaurin quick three yard touchdown. Made it back to a one score game late in the third quarter, 21 to 14. And you're thinking, all right, I mean, this game is far from over. I don't know how you felt, but I felt in that moment, Niners were 
were playing better football than the commanders at that point. They were the better team. They were controlling the game. I know the commanders had time of possession in the first half, but it still felt like the Niners were the better team up to that point. And you felt like the scoreboard wasn't fully, you know, indicative of how well they were playing. They were only up seven. They get the ball back. They need to go down and score at least a field goal. And, and they drive down. There was uh, a really great pass to uh, Brandon Ayuk. It was a relatively short pass, but he took it 54 yards all the way down to the six-yard line. So you have a first and goal from the six. You run McCaffrey. He gains a yard. Purdy is sacked when he runs out of bounds for a loss of four. And you're facing a third and goal from the nine. Penalty on the Niners. Third and goal from the 14. Pass to McCaffrey for six yards and then a 26-yard field goal. So the drive stalled out there. They do score. you got to credit Purdy on the offense for getting down in position to score and making it a two-score game again, but you really wanted a touchdown. Instead, you're up by 10 as we move into the fourth quarter. Then the offense you know, gets the ball right back after a turnover, a Nick Bosa sack. He, he stripped Taylor Heineke, and it was recovered by Jordan Willis, who had a fantastic game. And the Niners already in, pot, in in really great field position at the Washington 21. They get all the way down to the six-yard line before a penalty pushes them back to the 11. Later, another Robbie Gold field goal, and he would tack on another one later as well. So for the 49ers, you had an opportunity to really deliver the final nail in the coffin multiple times late in the third relatively early to the middle part of the fourth quarter. Again, still, it didn't really matter. You won by 17 points, a three-score game. But this could have been a, a 25, perhaps a 30-point lead middle midway through that fourth quarter. And ultimately, it was still potentially alive for the Commanders, albeit a really, really low chance. But the Niners did miss an opportunity to absolutely and totally put this game away. And to your point, say you're playing a game against the Eagles or, or even the, the Cowboys in the postseason. Say the Cowboys beat the Vikings and you host uh, the Cowboys in the second round of the postseason at Levi's. They're a better team, certainly, than the Commanders. At least the season up to this point does seem to suggest that. You've, you've uh, decide or you end up going for field goals and, and you keep it a 10-score game instead of a 14-score game, a 13-score point game instead of a 21-point game. Ultimately, that could come back to bite you. So I think that's an area where if the Niners, you know, coaching staff before they head into their next game and as they get ready for tougher opponents in the postseason, that is the one thing they really need to hammer down. Because to your point, it ha it's not just a one-week thing. This has been kind of a, an evolving situation throughout the entire offseason or through the entire season. Probably the first time it's really reared its head for Brock Purdy in this offense, but it has been an issue relatively speaking, for this offense for much of the season. It's kind of the last box that I feel like they need to check for me to have the utmost confidence in them if they had to go to Philly or I, I would I would still favor San Francisco over a Dallas team, but yeah. to me, the Cowboys would be the second biggest threat in the NFC. So it, it'll be something to keep an eye on for sure. But the reason that, of course, you aren't really worried about them not capitalizing on every offensive opportunity is because of how Damn good their defense is. <laughs> and 20 points for a Washington team that I think averages just above or just below kind of felt like a lot. Like, I know that, um, I know obviously they won by 17. They won going away. But, you know, th this defense, which 
to me is I, I, I still don't know if they're in all time or in a historic base defense. Um, we'll find out of the playoffs because of one yeah. running theme of all those historic teams is that they won the Super Bowl. But when it comes to the defense, like I was just kind of just kind of thinking about, you know, some of the great teams and some of their characteristics. And one thing that I, I always come back to is, look, if you have a great all-time defense, you do have Hall of Famers, but you always have one transcendent player. And the 49ers do have that. I don't know if they have multiple Hall of Famers on defense, but they got one. And his name is Nick Bosa. And another day, another couple of sacks. Mm. He's up to 17 and a half this year. To me, check off DPOY. That's not even a question at this point. So where my mind started going, Mark, was, well, if you're a top team in football and your best player is playing at his best, shouldn't that player be in the MVP conversation regardless of position? Now, Lawrence Taylor... And there was a D tackle for the Vikings in the 70s. I believe are the only two defensive players to win the MVP. But George Kittle brought it up after the game. And I think it's completely fair because right now, I don't know if Nick Bosa is, you know, he's not, he's not number one. But if you're looking at a Jalen Hurts-led Eagles team, Jalen Hurts is their MVP candidate. Maybe he takes a hit because he's playing or not playing uh, these last couple of weeks. Mahomes is up there. Josh Allen is up there. I think that if you're looking at everyone else, Nick Bosa has a seat at that table when it comes to being a top five, I would say top four MVP candidate because he is the best player on a team that has legitimate Super Bowl aspirations. And he's the driving force of the best defense in football all of that combined is why I think he right now has moved from DPOY automatically into the MVP race. Yeah, that's a really good point that I hadn't really thought about. Uh, just doing some research as you were talking there. You're right with Lawrence Taylor. He won in 86. Uh, the other was Alan Page as a D tackle in 1971. That was my uh, second guess. <laughs> by the way. One special teams player did win NFL MVP. Don't get me started, dude. He beat Dan Fouts in the strike shortened season. It was unbelievable. Uh, was it Mosley? Mark Mosley, place kicker in 1982. Don't, don't get me started. That guy missed extra points. You can't be an MVP as a kicker if you don't win, if you don't hit extra points. I got. I have to look through that season. That seems it's like unbelie- a really interesting oh story. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, to go back to your, your point about Bosa, I think you're right. I hadn't really considered that. Really, the only thing that was on my mind about Bosa and and awards was defensive player of the year because only two defensive players have ever won MVP. So it's essentially a given that it's not going to happen. But I mean, his latest performance, seven tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble as well, 17 and a half on the year to lead the NFL. He's two away from the Niners single season. Mark Alden Smith back in 2012 had 19 and a half. Now keep in mind, Bosa, will get an extra game, not necessarily game played because he didn't miss one, but he does have a longer season to get to that mark. We'll certainly keep an eye on that over the next couple of weeks as the regular season comes to a close. Yeah, he also might not play that last game. He might not. You're right. Perhaps perhaps the, the Vikings lock something up. Perhaps the Niners feel confident enough either way. Who knows? Um, but you're right. I mean, not only are the Niners one of the best teams in the NFL, but I think if you even get it a little more specific, Evan, 
the Niners defense is one of the best units in the league. Uh, I mean, they're, they're the best defense in the league. We have that that's proven. Like we don't need to even debate that right now. Um, are they a better defense than the bills are an offense? Like that's a conversation that you could have. So not only are the 49ers a top, what three or four team in the league, but their defensive unit, which is led by Nick Bosa, might be the best just straight up unit in football. So I, I think to your point, Nick Bosa certainly deserves to be in that conversation because he's not having like a record breaking NFL, you know, type season. Like if he breaks the single season sacks record across the entire league, maybe that would be enough to push him up to get some votes. And he's certainly close. He would need to have an incredible last two games, Evan. Uh, but without that, just the way that the NFL awards are given, I don't think he's going to have much of a chance, but he'll probably get some votes. I mean, he might be a top five vote getter at this point with the way that Jalen Hurts has been injured. Maybe he slips down some polls. I know there was a lot of noise for Tua. He's going to get very few votes and he's now in concussion protocol again. Joe Burrow is probably going to sneak in and get a handful of votes. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen will probably be one and two would be my guess. Um, but, but Nick Bosa certainly deserves some votes. He'll get some votes, but I think it'll probably end there. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I don't think he's going to win MVP just cause that's not really yeah. how the yeah. award is done anymore. And, uh, I would also like to motion for the MVP award to just be the quarterback of the year. Like that's, that's the way it's treated. I mean, it's the most valuable position in football. And so if we're not going to consider other positions, then it should just be quarterback of the year because, like Derrick Henry had 2,000 yards last year and barely sniffed the MVP. Cooper yeah. Cup rewrote record books for receivers last year. Afterthought. Like Justin Jefferson is probably the best player on the Vikings, and they're an 11 win team that somehow keeps pulling rabbits out of hats. He's not going to be in consideration. So let's maybe, just go ahead and make the MVP a quarterback. Maybe Greg Joseph should win NFL MVP in honor of Mark Mosley, you know? That's a that's a that's a fair point, Mark. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to pour kerosene on that, but <laughs> but yeah, it, it's just interesting to me because like like in, in basketball, MVP typically revolves around best player, best team. Yeah. Uh, baseball, similar. I mean, Aaron Judge had an historic year, but you look at the NL and you look at um, you know Paul Goldschmidt, successful top team, like best player, best team generally gets the votes. And so I don't think Nick Bosa will win MVP, but to me, he, he should be in the conversation because outside of probably McCaffrey, who unfortunately hasn't played as many games for the 49ers. Like that's the only guy to me that has a case to be made when it comes to the value that Nick Bosa adds. Um, just because we've literally seen, I mean, you, you broke down the numbers a couple of weeks ago of the expected points, mm. you know, on average that McCaffrey has brought to this team since joining from Carolina and the last eight weeks have proven since he's starting, they have been virtually well. They have been unbeatable. Um, but Nick Bosa, if you're if you're if you are going to call the Niners, you know, a, a, an all-time defense or put them in that conversation and that breath, then to me, the leader of that unit has to also be in the conversation for the best overall player. Um, yeah. Even though, as I think we're on the same page, that he won't get it. You're right. You're right. Uh, I will say the one, you know, the one number that I think Christian McCaffrey would have if we were to to have an actual MVP of the Niners debate, the one thing that Christian McCaffrey fans would point to is, well, they're eight and zero when he starts on their yeah. team, 
And that, that's a gigantic number. I mean, how, how do you define value aside from providing wins? And the Niners have not lost a game that Christian McCaffrey started in. They lost the first game he played in, but he did not start, did not get many snaps. That was the blowout loss to the Chiefs. But since then, he started eight games. They've won eight games. So McCaffrey has that on his side. But I think to Bosa's credit, he has led the best unit in football Game in and game out, aside from one in Atlanta, and the defense wasn't very good that game, by the way. Shocker, because Nick Bosa wasn't playing. Uh, So both have their arguments. But I'm with you about Bosa. I think he deserves a little bit of MVP hype that he's not currently getting. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. This is the 415ers podcast. We appreciate everyone downloading, rating, and subscribing. Five stars uh, especially are appreciated. Those of you out there, shout out to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. Uh, Mark is in the mood, as you can tell, watching on YouTube. He's got yes, the same hat on. Um, Evan Giddings, Mark Grandy with you, as always. And and that's, that's kind of the bridge that I want to use to get to our next uh, question, topic of conversation, which is, I think that, Also, around the time McCaffrey got to the Bay Area, South Bay specifically, that they also, the 49ers, got healthy. I think it was around the time Trent Williams came back. Shortly thereafter, you get, um, well, they, they got Elijah Mitchell back, who unfortunately got hurt. But you also get, you know, a guy like Jimmy Ward coming back. Um you're getting some other pieces on the outside. The linebacking position gets a little more uh, deeper with the emergence of Aziz Al-Shair is kind of your third guy now. More recently, Eric Armstead, yep. yeah. Eric Armstead, Armstead. Sorry. Yeah, Armstead coming back. And then and Kinlaw even coming back You know, this last week, even though I think PFF had Jordan Willis, the second highest rated D lineman uh, against Washington for the Niners. But but that that's kind of my next question, Mark, is like, are the 49ers peaking right now and if you told me they were i would i would totally get that i I, the only i guess the only concern i have is like well are they peaking too early like i i I don't know how you really judge that but i don't think there's another team in football that's playing better granted they haven't necessarily now looking back on some of their opponents faced as tough of a schedule but like the 49ers are playing the best football of any team right now in the nfl outside of Maybe Kansas City? Yeah. Kansas City's quietly having... Or maybe Cincy, I guess. Cincinnati. I mean, remember Cincy's really slow start? Everyone kind of wrote them off early in the year thinking, oh, last year was a fluke. You know, they're falling back down to earth. But, I mean, they're they're quietly moving up the ranks in the AFC, which is why, as I said earlier, I think Joe Burrow is going to get some MVP votes because they are playing 
you know, really, really good football as well. I mean, them, uh, the Niners, the Eagles, and, and the Chiefs probably have been the best teams in, in football over the last month and a half, two months. Um, I, I'm with you on the Bengals. I, I am high on them. But I think when you consider what time of the year it is, you're right. You want to be playing your best football going into the postseason. And it's kind of awkward because I think the Niners are at their best right now. A big part of it is because of the injuries and how healthy they're getting now. But it is also a little difficult, maybe a little awkward to say, well, they're peaking right now because they've already won eight games in a row. If you've won eight games in a row, generally you've already peaked. Like you can't go higher than you currently are winning eight games in a row. But to your point, considering the fact that they're getting healthier every single week, uh, I mean, you mentioned Javon Kinlaw, who came back this week. Uh, Eric Armstead a a few weeks ago, as you mentioned as well, considering that I think there's still a bit of room for this team to improve and get better. And you add in the fact that Brock Purdy is still getting his sea legs as a starting quarterback in the NFL, that Christian McCaffrey has only been here for half a season. The more all of these guys play together, I think the better that, that they can get. So while it may seem a little bit counterintuitive to say, a team that has won eight games in a row still has room to improve. I think the Niners are a unique set of circumstances. And I agree with you. I think they are peaking at the right time. There's still two weeks to go in the regular season before they get to the postseason. But I think this is a situation where despite the fact that they've already won eight consecutively, they do have room to grow. And that should bode well for them in the postseason and should scare some of their potential opponents. Yeah, no, it's it it's interesting too, especially with kind of the the question mark at quarterback in Philadelphia, because that's really the only team that I, I can think of that is in the same breath of the Niners in the NFC. I mean, you, you got two 12 win teams in the AFC. Cincinnati's probably, you know, third there. Um it's it's just it's just interesting because and, and hey, look, I mean, they also have an Adebo Samuel on offense the past couple of weeks. True. So maybe that's a, another level that they can use to get to. My, really, my only concern for this team right now, and, and it it's probably nitpicking, but it, it just would be the red zone. It, it would be, you know, an issue of maybe not capitalizing. But but this is also the part about the 49ers that I don't know applies to any other team in football, which is there is such a thin margin for error against San Francisco. I mean, we saw Washington. They were they were in the game, even though we felt comfortable that San Francisco, despite being dominant in a time of possession still also, you know, had chances uh, and still felt like they were, they were in control. The second half, Washington made one mistake, basically. I mean, one error that the 49ers then flipped and turned into a 14-0 run. Like, if you give them a, a, a mistake, the 49ers, like many teams who are Super Bowl caliber do, one quality that I, I feel like is rampant throughout all Super Bowl teams is they make you pay for when you make a mistake. And the 49ers largely do that because they don't give you many opportunities to turn them over. And they create so many turnover worthy, you know, runs or or passes that if you give them just a couple, they are going to beat you and they might beat you soundly. So for me, as much as I might get hung up a little bit on some of their red zone inefficiency this year, it seems to be outweighed by the fact that they play enough mistake-free football and they make opponents 
pay for the few mistakes that they do make against San Francisco that it it just comes out to be kind of like a net neutral when I'm looking at things that I might want to see more of. Yeah, it's a good point. I haven't thought about it that way either, but but I think I agree. I also wanted to jump back to something you said earlier. Uh, we're kind of talking about the team peaking at the right moment. You said, well, you know, it's also maybe you look back on it now, who have they really played? Some of the teams that they've beaten recently have gone on to you know, lose their last handful of games. Like the Seahawks simply can't win football games anymore. The Saints, Miami, M- Miami that's a really good one as well. The Saints are kind of, eh, they're, they're kind of in a middle area right now. Um, but it's like what we talked about on our last episode, previewing this game, entering this week, uh, week 16, opponents, the week after playing the 49ers were 0 and 12. Well, you can add another one in the loss column. Opponents now 0-13 the week following playing the 49ers as the Seattle Seahawks, despite having that mini buy after their Thursday night game in Seattle against the 49ers, they got pummeled by the Kansas City Chiefs. Not Certainly not an embarrassing loss. The Chiefs are the better team by a mile at this point of the year, but still 0-13 opponents the week directly after playing the 49ers. So I think to your point, Maybe the Niners haven't had the toughest schedule recently. You know, they have beaten some, you know, quality teams, some decent teams during this stretch. But also when you look back at it, I think you kind of forget the fact that when teams play the 49ers, it takes them a while to recover. The Niners beat you down physically, that you are not as prepared, not as ready to compete six days, seven days, eight days later, whatever it is. And that's a big reason why teams, after they play the 49ers, lose. And as a result, the Niners' schedule, after the fact, might not look as good as you considered it to be in the moment. So I do think there's a bit of a middle ground you need to consider when you think about the teams the Niners have beat. Because a big reason, in my opinion, why teams are struggling uh, you know, in the present is because they recently played the 49ers. It's kind of a bit of a give and take there, but I think there's some truth to that as well. No, I I think you're on to something. I see what you're saying is that they, in a way, kind of hurt themselves by hurting other teams. <laughs> True. When it comes yes. to their strength of schedule. I mean, right now in the NFC, based on the way teams are now and their records, of course, strength of schedule fluctuates every week. But the 49ers have had, according to strength of schedule, the easiest schedule in the NFC. That is a fact. And so I do think there is a middle ground, and a lot of that is self-created, but it's also something that I think is is going to be a topic of conversation more so come playoff time of like, you know, how tested are the Niners really? And and we can dig into it more in the next episode, but it's something I, I definitely want to note and keep an eye on. Um, Mark, I know we're doing this on Monday, dropping it a little bit later, but do you have a game ball from Saturday? Uh, a game ball for me, uh, guy we talked about earlier. I'm going to go with Nick Bosa. Uh, phenomenal again. Had a couple of sacks, uh, a forced fumble that came at a big moment. The Niners turned into points as well. Nick Bosa, as we talked about, the best player on this Niner team, the best player on the best defense in the league, perhaps the best player on the best unit in the league. Uh, Nick Bosa deserves a, a game ball this week. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you there. Uh, that was that was <laughs> that's gonna be mine. Although I did my <laughs> you know, soliloquy earlier, so I don't really feel like uh, I kind of need to. 
it, it seems like on defense, we kind of alternate between the two linebackers of Fred Warner and Drake <laughs> Greenlaw. Uh, Fred Warner had 13 tackles this week. That was pretty, pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. <laughs> but I guess if I had to go a different direction, it'd be George Kittle. Yep. You know, George Kittle actually did set a personal record this week. He now has seven touchdowns on the season. That is a career high for him in a single season. And four of them in the last two games. And four of them in the last two games. So he's established himself, reestablished himself, I should say, as a top-tier tight end. Um, may or may not be leading my fantasy team to the final. Who's to say? <laughs> but George Cattle would get my game ball just because of how much of a safety blanket and dynamic yards-after-catch threat he has demonstrated himself to be each of the last two weeks, more so this week than last. That will do it for the 415ers podcast this Monday on Boxing Day. What's up, Mark? I do have one more thing before we do wrap. It'll take a couple of minutes. So in the holiday spirit, you know, if you're watching on YouTube, I, I have I have my Santa hat on. The Niners communication staff, they send out game notes after games. And this week they decided to split it up into categories related to, to famous holiday sayings. So I want, in, you know, pun related, they're fitting their players' names into it. So I want to read them to you, and I want you to choose your favorite Niners holiday-related pun. Okay, Evan? So there's a bunch of them. So stick okay. with me. Yep. <laughs> you don't sound very happy about this. No, the no, no, first... sorry. <laughs> the I'm, first... I'm enthralled. <laughs> the first one, Jingle Bell Brock. Jingle Bell Brock is the first one. After that, we have Have Yourself a McCaffrey Little Christian. That one you can tell they spent a long time thinking of, and they just simply couldn't find anything better, and they just went with it. Uh, not not going to be the winner. I can guarantee you that. Uh, Ray Ray the Red-Nosed Reindeer. That's a good one. Oh, that's uh, an early leader. <laughs> after that, Sweet as Kittle Canes. Okay, sweet as mm. Kittle Canes. Mm. And then just a classic. I'm not sure this one gets kudos because they didn't actually change anything. Little St. Nick. Uh, Little St. Nick for Nick Bosa. It's easy to get, but it's not as much of a pun. Uh, after that, we Willis you a Merry Christmas for Jordan Willis. He had the uh, recovery of, of, of Taylor Heineke's <laughs> fumble. Uh, after that, Fred Claus. Uh, Fred Claus instead of... Uh, Santa Claus for oh, Fred Warner. Um, I'm dreaming of a Ward Christmas for Jimmy Ward. And then the last one, which might be my personal favorite, Under the Mistletoe for Robbie Gold. That he's is got good. A Even though it doesn't involve his name, that's yeah. pretty good. Uh, I will give you mine. It is Ray Ray the Red-Nosed Reindeer yeah. Yeah. because Ray Ray ran all over the Commanders <laughs> on Saturday. I was trying to make a commander grandma got ran over by yeah. a Ray Ray thing i got it it, it didn't work it. but that's my personal favorite <laughs> i like that one too i think i'm gonna go with the the mistletoe for robbie gold that's my favorite well we appreciate all of you tuning in the day after christmas weekend was fantastic for the 49ers eight straight wins they remain in third place in the nfc a game back at the second seed they got the raiders upcoming this week on new year's day so that'll be interesting Certainly, from a Bay Area perspective, formerly, I should say. Uh, but we'll be coming at you on Wednesday. In the meantime, hope you all had a very Merry Christmas. Continue to enjoy your holiday if you're on break, if you got to go back to work, if you get the Boxing Day off. Whatever your Christmas traditions are this year, we wish you the best. And Mark, I thank you, as always, for bringing, um, let's say, some more holiday cheer to the program than usual. I tried my best, Evan. Looking forward to the next episode coming up on Wednesday. 
All right, we'll talk to you guys next time. Make sure to download, rate, subscribe. This has been the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Network. Mm-hmm.